welcome to the Squeeze Archives. I'm Ashley Hitchcock-Francis. I started the Squeeze to give you the tough but necessary juice you need to build and sustain your career. So when I launched in 2020, I used to go on Instagram Live with so many incredible friends and folks that I've met through friends, and they shared their college and career journeys and struggles and what they have learned along the way so that we could all learn together. I don't want these chats to just sit there. I want to bring them back and I want to share them. So we're going to go into the archives this summer. We're going to share them on podcasts and we're also recording season two, which will launch this fall. But for now, you've got the juice and it's time to put it to use. Enjoy. Hi, Ashley. Hi, everyone. Listen, I'm going to need you to hurry up and move back. Get out of the seat, please. Oh, I thought we were really moved back. Oh, no. I was like... North Carolina, we need you out of there. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, we only have 10 more days left here, so... Okay. We are counting down. Oh, your fan club has arrived. <laughs> Twenty one. So it is awesome. Uh first things first, let's make a drink. Okay. Walk us through. Your drink is called um New Beans. Yes. So my drink is going to be an Amaretto Sour. Yes. So the ingredients that you will need are of course Amaretto, which is Almond liquor. (laughs) I just wanted the people to know it's a thing to grab whatever amaretto you've had in your liquor cabinet. No, uh, I had to go to like three different places to find amaretto. So by the time I got there, I just grabbed whatever was available. And then the second ingredient, which can be alternated, is lemon sour mix. So you can use lemon juice or you can use lime juice or orange juice. Really depends on your... This combination of spicy squeezed orange juice and lime juice. Again, we're winging it here. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you have the orange juice. (laughs) And... You can also add simple syrup. I'm not adding that um, just because amaretto is already very sour, very sweet. So I don't think it needs it. But if you have a sweet tooth, you might want to add some. Um, And then one last ingredient, which you can is also optional, are cherries. I almost didn't get the cherries, but my friend was like, if you're going to go on live, you have to get the cherry. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so I have the cherry. So first, I'm going to fill up my glass with a ton of ice, like the bartenders do. Free. I did my. So here it is. So the ratio proportion that I've been seeing on recipes are two to one. So two parts amaretto to one part lemon or lime whatever type of sour mixed juice you want to use. 
2021. So if you know, just like. <laughs> so I have a little measuring cup here. I'm going to put three ounces of Amoretto. This is, I haven't told you all yet, but he's an accountant. He does numbers. Look at this. He's like, that's time. And right. You can barely see my drink. I'll pull it up one time. Completely. So yeah, I'm gonna three ounces of amaretto liquor. Oh wow! So you can see how much that filled up over halfway. Oh. <laughs> England, one and a half ounces of sour lemon flower mix. So here is my lemon sour mix. And then one of the last things to add on top is the cherry. Wow. I'm a little bit jealous that I didn't think about cherry. I mean, that's fine. Probably wouldn't have, but I think they'll get it. So let me get this cherry open. Hopefully, I can open it. <laughs> True screen. Yeah. So it was my cherry. Cheers to everyone's 2021. <laughs> and then we'll just have to mix it so that it doesn't taste super sweet on one side. It's sour. So here. And this drink I paired with New Beginning. So when I first went to college, um, one of the first drinks I can ever remember trying at the bar um, was Amorito Sour. <laughs> it's a very simple and easy drink to drink because it's sweet, it goes down smoothly, so it's something that I always drink. Sounds dangerous, but <laughs> so cheers to you, Fred. <laughs> cheers. So... All the month of January, we're going to hear from friends that started new jobs or got promotion. And I'm happy to say you recently started a new job um, and, you know, did your job hunt and interviews all through the uh, So there's a lot, lot to be looked at. But um, I want to start with you just kind of giving us your career um, you can start in college if you want. Um... Okay. Wow. So going back to where I live, as I mentioned earlier, but for those who put in later, I'm currently living in D.C. Um, not the best place to live right now with the political climate. Um, <laughs> so and we are moving back to Durham um, on January 22nd, so 10 days from now. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully my moving truck can make it down there. <laughs> Uh, and uh, a little bit about me, I am from a Mexican-American family background and grew up mostly between Mexico and the state called Colima and Lenore, North Carolina. Uh, if you are familiar, it's out in the western side in the foothills of the mountains of North Carolina. So it is very rural, very, um, as you can imagine, very southern. <laughs> Um, so it was definitely an experience growing up there as um, as a as a Mexican American. 
Um, yeah. My mom moved there, I think about maybe like 20 years ago. So we were one of the first people. Um, there weren't many Latinos in the area. So growing up there was definitely a hard adjustment for my family. Yeah. Um, fast forward after that, um, I ended up staying for college in North Carolina. And I went to Wake Forest first. And my mom kind of forced that on me because it was closer to home. She wanted me to be able to drive home at 80 point in time so she can cook for me, et cetera, the type of support. <laughs> to have that familial support in your school. Um, after that, my sophomore year, I decided to transfer to UNC Chapel Hill because that's where I had always wanted to go and I didn't want to live without. So that was a new beginning for me back then. Um, I wasn't sure that was, I was making the right move, you know? Um, but I was just like, let me make this move and see how it turns out. And that definitely played a big role into my career choice. Uh, so at first, um, I wanted to do something more in like sciencey field, something, um, like dental school. I took a couple of the courses, a lot of the courses actually, also a little bit. Then my junior senior year, that's when I began to evaluate, um, whether that was something I really wanted to pursue. And that is tied into balancing your priorities. Um, I was really trying to figure out what is it that I really want to do? Why do I want to be a dentist? What, um, being, being a dentist, what would that help me accomplish, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and that's where I really had to dive deep into like my priorities. And as during the recruiting process, junior, senior year, I kept my mind open. Okay, I'm taking these classes. Maybe I can go to dental school, but let me see what else I can apply to. Yeah. So back then I was an econ major. So anything business, kind of like math, statistics related, was out there. You a math person says myth. So I got um, introduced to a recruiter at EY through a mutual friend, Annie. She might be tuned in. Shout out to Annie. <laughs> and she was able to connect me with a recruiter, and we talked about um, my experience and maybe something that my goals would align where mm -hmm. um and then i that's how i fall into the role that i was at previously and that is in accounting at ay uh, and i moved up here to dc for that role did you add your like letter of hire before you graduated yes so i had a condition <laughs> i had a conditional offer my junior year um that was based upon me going to graduate school for accounting because I didn't have an accounting background. Yep. So I had to promise to go to graduate school, go to graduate school, and pass. <laughs> and get a degree. <laughs> so that's how I ended up getting the role over here. And fast forward a couple years later, uh, the move was up here to DC. Um, and just a second, because your fan club is People are saying, like Jabu said, say safe. Jackie is just, I think, excited that you're moving back to the city. Hi. Greg says, you know, hashtag Carolina family. So, you know, you Thank you, everyone, for joining. <laughs> Not easy to go live and to say yes when you get that email from me that's like, hey, you've been nominated. 
No, I almost ignored it. <laughs> I went, In your DMs, like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> because I was nervous. That's fair. Like, it is not easy to, like, share your story, go live. So, I <laughs> Okay, so also, we have so many new school friends. Because I know people that you went to school with at Wake Forest. And then I know a lot of people that you met at UNC. So, I also think, like, it's a very small world where you get into people that are, like, running around the same thing. Trying to be, like, ambitious and figure out their roadmap and sharing the squeeze with their friends. So, yeah, definitely. Every time we, I see her do, a, I see Ashley do a live or something happening. I'm like, oh, I know that person. <laughs> I will post Ashley. I know that person too. <laughs> so somehow we are all, we always end up being connected by some person or some location. Good people. <laughs> definitely a small world. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you um, were at the school, you're getting ready to start at EY. So how soon between like graduation and, and moving to DC? So my first graduation with the London grad, I graduated in May and I started grad school in June. I had like 18 days. So that was basically like two weeks of a break. And I was like, oh my God. But I was like, let me just get this over with. Yeah. And then after that, I graduated in September of 2018. Okay. Yeah. And I actually moved in August, so a month before graduating, that was possible because my school had kind of like a hybrid program where you could do online classes. Okay. So I finished my last semester online. Nice. So we moved in August of 2018. Okay, so you were actually very prepared for virtual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Still an adjustment. Yeah. Because back then the idea was I'm just going to do it. I think it was like a mini semester. I think it was teaching months I had to do. It wasn't like a full almost year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I miss people. <laughs> um, but I think about like I did my entire master's online. Um, who care at, at UAC. Um, there is a residential program. But I now have friends all over the place. Because we were all on the virtual program. So... Um, um, so we haven't really talked about this, but you know, what was that experience of going straight through and not an easy undergraduate experience, um, straight through your master's? Like, did you feel fatigued or were you just like, I am a beast? I'm going to college. <laughs> well, definitely. It was a tough road. No. Back thinking to undergrad. I didn't think I was going to necessarily get a master's degree. Yeah. Um, I think that what really propelled me to do that was the athletes work at EY. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's how life is. You don't really know. Sometimes you don't really know what your next step is. And for me, I was like, oh my God, this is already rough on undergrad. <laughs> uh, like, I can't imagine doing more school and then the opportunity come along. And I think because it was a short master's, like a year and a half. It didn't think too much through it. Um, luckily, I already had a job offer. So going into my master's with the security of having the job offer really helped me, I guess, not have to worry about the whole recruitment part and be able to focus more on the schooling part. 
and I did work throughout all of undergrad and dad school. So that was an additional layer. So I worked at a orthodontics office. Okay. Um, so shout out to them because they were very flexible with me. Um, I was able to come in and leave where I wanted. Even my manager was like, I wish I had your job. You can just come in and leave whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that they definitely helped me out throughout my studies. I feel like you can tell when people actually are invested in you as a human because you know, then they're like, Also, if you're hiring an undergraduate, you actually like I mean, you don't have but we should be. Yeah. But definitely ups and downs. <laughs> So looking back on that, if somebody is like, okay, do I go straight into grad school or do I get some experience and work? What kind of things do you wish you had considered or did you consider that were really important? So personally, I wouldn't go straight from undergrad to grad school. Um, it doesn't have to do with the difficulty or, you know, like my experience. It has to do with you being sure of your goals and priorities at that point in time. So when you... Two-year-olds, newsflash, don't necessarily know. <laughs> so, like, out of... Like, you're making the decision of a career you might have for the next 5, 10, 15 years. You don't know how long. At like, maybe... I graduated when I was 20 or 21. So you, like, are making a, such a huge decision for your life based on your 20-year or 21-year self, I don't think that you necessarily are maybe ready or maybe you are ready, but I think that taking the time, even if it's just one year to think about what is it that you really want and maybe working in a related field to see, hey, this is really what I want to do because as we all know, education in the U.S. is very expensive. So the last thing you want to do is go get a master's, a doctorate, and something that you realize five years down the road that you need it. And now you have a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars of student debt for something that you don't want to do anymore. So I definitely <laughs> yeah. thinking about it, I would go back uh and take a break so that I'm able to try different things out and then solidify what my goals and priorities are and how I can achieve those. I you know, if you watch any of this, if you listen to the friends, like most people are not doing what you do. Right. Like they're taking some time, but there's as far as undergraduates go, like there's this really strong emphasis, especially if you don't have a career, like a job locked down. Well, if I go to school, then I'm guaranteed something to do. Right. I I have bought myself some more time to figure it out. But like you said, it's a huge time and money investment to make for like not knowing. Like if you never step foot into one of these firms or an office that's going to do what you're going to grad school for, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I definitely advise that break. Um, and you can do anything. Like you don't have to feel pressured. You know, to work right away. You can just do. You know, you can volunteer in something when you're there. If you can't find a job right away, say, hey, can I, you can send an email or a LinkedIn, reach out to people. Like, what is it that you do, you know, um, in order to, you know, be successful at your job or what exactly do you do in your job? You know, I think that people are more willing to share about their story than you would think. Yeah, I agree. 
I agree. Um, especially if you just ask them for 15 minutes. That is something that most people can say yes to, right? I can figure out how to talk to somebody for 15 minutes. Yeah. And when you send those messages, if you do to talk to people, yeah, as Ashley said, be very to the point and say, hey, this is a little bit about my background. Do you have two minutes to share? These are some dates I have available, you know, almost like not forcing them, but give them options so that they can, yeah, give them options so that they can pick and be able to say, hey, yes, this next Friday at 10 a.m. for 15 minutes works for me. Let's do it. Jasmine said such good advice. <laughs> That's fine. He's here. <laughs> um, very important question. The most important question. What's your favorite juice? So recently, I have really been getting into passion fruit. So passion fruit juice definitely has been my favorite. You know, I can say with certainty that I've never bought passion fruit juice. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to try it. You like both. <laughs> <laughs> the nut free was how you set a lifestyle. It doesn't have to be huge. <laughs> it can be achievable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Jackie said, Kate and Hi, Karina. So this is called, you know, the recipe edition, because yes, we make a drink that has ingredients, but it's also about career recipes. Um, and not so that someone can take your ingredient list and then just duplicate it and follow in your footsteps, but to learn from different things that you have done and other friends that share their stories along the way. So what are some of the kind of ingredients that you think have helped you uh, along the way? And yes, somebody else said that they love passion fruit and that, yes, you are fancy. Y'all. <laughs> so I think some of the, those ingredients are, again, going back to the whole priorities, setting those priorities and goals. That's something that Ashley really helped me with because when you think about making moves throughout life, you have the, that idea in your head, okay, I want to make a move, what is this move? And Ashley really was like, well, what are your goals? And then I was like, oh, I really haven't thought about that. <laughs> so Ashley, it made me do something that I hate, and it's writing. Uh, and I was able to jot down some notes on my laptop more informal and no essay, but something about like my goals and priorities that I wanted to reach. And that ended up boiling down to a little table, <laughs> <laughs> which I can share. Um, I'll share in a bit. I have it written down here. But those, some of the ingredients are, you know, being self-aware again with that break, going back to the break in between undergrad and graduate school, being self-aware having a clear path of what is it that you want and how do you want to get there? And again, it's not a cookie cutter path. Every path is different for everyone. You can get to the same place, different ways that people get there and how you get there is based on solely how you want to reach your goals. And you shouldn't, like as Ashley said, try to follow someone else's path, but create your own so that it results in the best outcome for yourself. It's hard though, especially when you're young, you're just like, okay, what, give me the, like, I can follow instruction. Give me the roadmap and I will follow it. Uh, but the more we talk about it and realize that everybody's got to kind of go their own path, uh, I think it's helpful. 
Yeah, definitely. And also helpful to be stretched and do things that you don't like to do. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley will do that. <laughs> what a good and great uh, sign up for the screen. You were for a little bit. <laughs> oh, um, well, so. What, um, you know, we met when you were kind of, I don't want to say over it, but you, you've been dealing with some difficult things. Um, and so with that, do you, do you want to talk about how you kind of have navigated racism at work or, um, kind of, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to let you shame and then we'll go. Yeah, so I'll share a little bit of more about that. But um, so I grant them myself. So dealing with racism is something that you are almost used to. Um, going up in Western Boonies, North Carolina, I was used to people telling me, "Oh, speak English. You're in America," and I'd be like, "Well, Mexico's America too, and most of Latin America, and most of the almost like ninety percent of the Spanish-speaking countries are in America." So that's like dumb. But <laughs> so it was definitely something that I was used to, and for some reason i had this idea that going to college like i wasn't going to experience that there that everyone there was going to be quote unquote like more open you know open-minded more receptive more educated you know and that definitely (laughs) that definitely was not true like going to college you realize that it's almost a continuation definitely wasn't as bad as where i grew up but it's continuation and then leaning into my work and career experience it continues there too so it is something that's ever present and uh is definitely an obstacle in people's path and something that almost er- like everyone should learn to face it uh, i'm not saying it's accept it but you should learn how to manage how you approach the situations um at first i think that was more avoidant and approaching the in those situations if somebody told me something and i'd just be like okay whatever i don't care i'll i've heard this before but as more time went on i was like no like i did not like work this hard to get out of like west trend for you to like come here and like insult me or you know like um one of the experiences i had was some of my coworkers would call me like juan or julio so typical names that are related to somebody of like Hispanic origin and that just made me mad because this happened like at a client site so it happened like areas anywhere it would happen it was offensive but the fact that it happened at work and especially moving out of the south I was like oh okay maybe in DC it's not gonna exist now I hate this <laughs> it exists everywhere and in different ways shapes or forms it was more subtle but it existed um and to be fair, like we know this, or I know this because I listen to Black and Brown <laughs> right when they speak and and share what their experiences are, right? Like we have people right now that are like, "Oh, I saw somebody I know that was down in D.C. at the insurrection." <laughs> huh? That's so weird. I'm like, yeah, they're not just all like. <laughs> <in the> cabin. <laughs> yeah. Right next year. So. Well, definitely. And I have been more comfortable um, through joining like the Latino Professional Network at EY. I was able to, yeah. you know, 
form bonds with other coworkers that shared similar experiences, maybe not in the same ways, but in different ways, shapes, and forms. So I felt more comfortable after having that support at work, uh, speaking up and calling it out. And I was able to say, hey, stop calling me. I mean, it's Juan and Julio. They didn't have anything. Stop calling me Juan and Julio, like my name is Luis. Um, and I was able to feel, you know, like safeguarded and protected whenever I spoke up about it. So learning to address the issue and not letting it go because being used to it or just ignoring it's not going to make the issue better for other people that come along. Yeah. And, and as a part of that kind of employee resource group, were there older people in that group that were also able to kind of help guide or do or even just kind of like um, level set and be like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the great thing about the group. You were able to relate with people even from different, like, uh, fields. So I, it was a big friend. They have different fields. So I was able to talk to people who are not just in tax accounting. Some people were in audit or some people were in finance or some people in, you know, different areas, RV-wise. So that's where you were are able to really see that it is a problem that is ever-existing throughout any career, any location. So one um, thing that was, they said, I'm going to remember what each one. And when I go into my next job search and I'm going through interviews, I'm going to ask employers how they respond. How did they respond to the Black Lives Matter? How did they respond and take care of employees during a pandemic? Right. So they got those kinds of, of the answers. I thought that is so smart because that's the new, like, hey, how do you, you know, how can you take care of people? Can I, you know, how much time off do I get? Can, can you be flexible? It's like, no, these are concrete things that you can say, show me what you did. Uh, so curious as you were interviewing all last year, um, and what kinds of questions were you able to ask that you felt comfortable asking in the interview process to kind of get them right. right. So fast forwarding to me now being comfortable speaking about, you know, racism and speaking about it, you know, more directly. Um, I'll share my list now, but here is my list of instead of writing. Well, I did a little bit of writing, but I'm like, I'm overwriting. So I'm going to do a little list. Like, <laughs> so, oh, so my, uh, the top here is like why one, so year one, year two, year three, year four, okay. because the important thing to know is that your priorities change over time. Like what you yes. think is important in year one might not be as important in year two or so forth. So writing down your priorities. And for me, when I was job searching, it was money, um, because I want to get rid of my student debt. So that was something that was at the top of my list for anything I was interviewing for. After that, uh, I have travel and then the role and the mass culture. And culture encompasses that greater you know, DNI issues. I found that was something that I asked on any of my interviews. I, I asked, you know, what is your like stance with Black Lives Matter? What is your company currently doing? And uh, a little story I can share with interviewing somewhere. And somebody was like, yes, like I'm part of the committee, the DNI community, and I write some of the like, policies and we do some of the implementation and my company blah 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 give me all the spiel about everything she does i was like okay what policy is the last one that you wrote and then she could have told me <laughs> that's so embarrassing 
Yeah, she could, I was like, okay, awesome. Like, what's the last policy that you wrote? It's, you know, gave me a circle answer. I was like, okay, this is not a good sign. Uh, I'm like, I read a book. <laughs> exactly. So that is something that I asked them all of my interviews, part of the culture priority. Yeah. Um, and they literally, not many people could tell me, everyone can tell you, oh, yeah, we are number one in diversity, number two in diversity. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. How, you know? You're ranked by some firm that you probably pay money to, or I don't know how it works. But... Yeah. So that's something I asked them. I, one of the reasons I uh, picked my company was because of the answer they gave me to that question. They gave me tan tangible like solutions as to what they were doing and shared like candid experiences about, hey, like at first we thought it was that we didn't have enough diverse individuals in the area of accounting or finance. So then we really started looking at our applicant pool and we noticed that maybe we should expand our search to HBCUs, which are historically black colleges and universities or HSI, so Hispanic serving institutions. So they were able to create partnerships with other schools that weren't predominantly white institutions. And that's how they were able to broaden the pool and notice that there are candidates out there that are <laughs> more, more than capable to take on these roles. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you asked. I love that they've had that concrete example that they could show because so many of these companies will say, well, we hire, you know, let's see, you know, people, we hire black people. It's like, show me your retention rate, because that's how I know that you're doing good work on the inside, because people can get the pipelines. They can get the hiring pipelines, right? Like, let me go straight to the source. Let me go to HBC. Let me go to the Hispanic serving institution. But how do those people get taken care of when they're in the door? Like, are they like uh, nurtured? Are they given opportunities to grow? Are they acknowledged for the the like smarts that they bring to it, the skill set that they bring to it? So, yeah, and even further, my boss was like, "Yeah, I'm currently in the process of becoming like an adjunct professor at NCCU." Um, and A&T or A&T trying to figure out um, how I can make it work. Um, mm -hmm. My current job is in Greensboro, so I was just like, okay, that's another tangible point of something that he actively, as a leader of the group, is doing to be able to say, hey, like, this is a problem and to, this is how I can work on it. So that's a big reason, but I chose the company that I'm with now. That is awesome. I also love your table. I want to go back to that for a second. Actually, <laughs> Yes. When you were evaluating the role, what are some of the things that you were looking for or considering? Right. So for me, I had recently gotten promoted at my old job. So when I was leaving, I did not want to quote unquote get like go from a senior to a staff. Yeah. If I'm a senior to an associate, I wanted to be able to go laterally, you know, at least. Yeah. Um, didn't expect to go up to a manager because I was newly promoted as a senior so i it was important to me to not sacrifice the title as much because i was like i put two years into this company yeah. i need to you know be able to keep that role that i earned yeah absolutely but i talk a lot about sour lemons being uh, a motivator whether we like it or not like there's things that we have to deal with, like we've been talking a lot about racism, um, that 
sometimes can be turned into motivation, like good or bad. Like, so do you have any of those things that are sour lemons that also Yes, of course. And I think, honestly, sour lemons motivate me more than sweet lemons. <laughs> uh, I, like, I, one of the biggest things for me is, like, if you tell me I can't do something, I'm not going to do it. You know, somebody telling me, you can't do this, you can't get into this school, you can't. I remember one of my teachers in um, high school told me, oh, like, you can't get a five on the AP Calc exam. And then the first thing I did was go and get my five with my AP Calc exam. So I was like, See, I got it. <laughs> Risky. Look back. So definitely, I think that's one of my sour lemons. That like, like if somebody tells me I can't do it, I'm just gonna do it. So when we were working together, I should have said, "Hey, you probably can't write down these answers." But <laughs> I think I probably would have worked. <laughs> Okay, Jasmine just gave you a question. She said, can you talk about navigating office culture during COVID-19 and working remotely? Like, how are you connecting with coworkers? How have you made space for yourself at the office while working from home? He's also in a new role. Yeah, so that has uh, been difficult. So my interview process was all virtual. I never once stuck in the office. I never once met anyone in person. And even now that I'm in the office, I've never once seen the I Googled it on Google Maps to see the, like what it looks like. Um, but I never once have been in office, but a big point that I made for myself was to establish connections. So one of the first things I did when I started was I booked a calendar meeting for at least one person in my group to introduce myself. So Hi. I was like, I, <laughs> uh, so that definitely helped out. Everybody was like, oh, thank you for starting the meeting. Like I'm happy to get to know you and that it's virtually. Now they have me in their mind. So if any topics come up, they're able to, um, you know, engage me to be able to assist them or, you know, let me work on projects with them. So I would definitely say like establishing those connections at first, it's important that you get, you know, early on, you know, and like no better time when people haven't just given you all the work to do. Like, they're very forgiving when you put, like, 50 million coffee chats at the beginning of your time. Because they're like, oh, yeah, that's part of the onboarding. So, smart. So, that is something I personally have done and why I'm trying to schedule, like, routine calls, you know, like, every quarter or every six months, depending on who, to make sure that I'm present, you know, though maybe my whole first year or six months might be virtual. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you always have to be thinking, like, in that single environment. In my priority list, you saw roles. So I sacrificed a tiny bit of role uh, when I accepted my job offer. And that came with the caveat that said, oh, maybe we'll be able to promote you within the first six months to 12 months. So because of that too, I want to make sure that my communication is persistent. And I say, hey, I'm here. So that later on when it comes along, I'm like, okay, like I'm looking to get promoted. Like... <laughs> yeah. So they know my name, you know? That like so smart because uh people that are going to decide whether or not you get promoted or not are going to make that decision when you're not in the room and so if somebody that does know you says hey Luis is awesome he's been kicking ass at this project we work together and if three people in the room go who the hell is Luis I don't know them then it's going to be like moving on but if all four people are like oh yeah Oh yeah. 
oh yeah your folder is moving off right like so that is just like one of those things and then also tracking your wins so that you also have receipts about like the work that you've done that you can show but that is super super smart um, you know oftentimes you might hear parents uh talking about with their children how to deal with all the things that they're seeing and experiencing and they say find the helpers like if you're watching a tragedy find the helpers well the same thing applies in your career like you have to find the helpers right mentors or the people that are going to guide um have you already been able to identify anybody internally that that is that that helper i think it's a work in progress I think at my old job, because I recently started my job at the very end of November, so basically December, I think I'm I'm now finding the bond and identifying, okay, who's going to be able to support me and be able to speak good things about me when somebody says my name in the room. I think yeah. I had that at my old job, but that's what I'm currently working on at my new job. Okay. So we are assigned, like, when, when you start, like, the manager. So I kind of just made him my interim counselor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so i just asked him you know like when i was interviewing luckily he was one of the persons one of the people that interviewed me he said i was told i wouldn't potentially be able to get familiar within my first six to twelve months i want to speak about why well, recently scheduled a meeting to speak about how i can get there how i can make that happen like what are some things that i am able to do right now so that i may want to prove later on but i'm ready so i kind of just made him my counselor for now um, I'm not sure that we're on the same wavelength, so, but I'm still, like, using his bands and, you know, listening to him to what he says, um, to allow I'm able to, you know, complete my goal. Yeah, no, I love that. I also think it's good to, like, then level set with some peers and say, like, is this the guidance that you've gotten? Is this what you have seen? Um mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I talked to my other coworker who was at a similar rank of me, one rank above me, and I scheduled a meeting with her to see how she got promoted so that I can be able to follow her steps as well. Yeah, smart. Um, friends that are watching, feel free to drop questions for Luis because um, this is a rare occasion. He's going live. <laughs> <laughs> So my final big question is gratitude is important. We all have people and things that uh, if hadn't happened or they weren't in our lives and wouldn't be where we are. So who or what are you grateful for? So I'm definitely grateful for all the mentors I've had throughout, you know, even starting back from high school when I still try to keep up with them. They like I'm doing this, this, and this, like, how have you been, or, or getting holidays, even then, or even like, how have you been, you need to manage the situation, all your family, et cetera, I message my professors, teachers, counselors, you know, formal counselors, routinely to be able to keep that constant communication with them. But it kind of feels weird if you don't talk to them and you're just all of a sudden, hey, can you write me a recommendation for this? They're like, you've been MIA for the past three years, so freaking <laughs> But definitely it's important to keep that in communication and 
And I can tell you as somebody that has always worked, like so the majority of my career worked with younger people, whether they be in elementary, middle, high school, college, or young professionals, there is nothing better than an email, a text message, like something, a DM that's like, hey, I just want you to know this is what I'm doing now. You know, whatever it is, like it's a delight. It's an absolute delight. So keep doing it. We should be that way. So I can speak a little bit more about my table if I don't have questions, but more about how my party has changed over time. Yeah. So uh, first, because I expect to have a lot of student debt for a long time. <laughs> I said, okay, money is number one, year one. Money is number one, year two. That's not going to change. Yeah. Then I said, okay, maybe year three, year four. That's not going to be my number one priority anymore. My number one priority is going to shift to my role because I expect to be more established in my career. So the role that I have is definitely a significant part of my career. So this is part of how my priorities change over time. Yeah. Um, culture, I ranked at the same just because the offers I was comparing had very similar cultures. So I was like, okay, if they have very similar cultures, to me, culture right now is not the number one priority. Yeah. Um, and then also travel. So when I was picking my career, how I got to accounting too, I was like, okay, I want a job with number. I want a job that travels. And I want a job that I'm not doing the same thing every day. And you don't necessarily always align that with accounting, but that's something that my current role helps me do. So not so much travel right now during COVID, but I'll be able to do that later on. And in terms of the role, I'll be able to solidify more of that role as I progress to see if this is what I want to continue to do. Um, so that is definitely important um, to keep track of how they change over time. That was something very um, eye-opening for me. I love that. And I love that you have it. And, you know, it, you may laugh at it in two or three years. You'd be like, oh, gosh, I thought this was important. It's not important at all now. Um, and, you know, as you kind of shifted between role and money, not in all career paths, but um, some, once your role increases, that money is also going to right so like those are often tied to each other definitely i will definitely have to keep this to see how my priorities and goals change um, over time i only did it out four years i know four years seems like gosh who knows what's gonna happen in four years i mean yeah <laughs> that's what we're like you know where do you want to do i hate that interview question where are you going to be in five years, in 10 years? I'm like, I think that fewer people will ask that after we've gone through 2020. Like, uh... Yeah, and I had that question when I was interviewing. I was interviewing at a bank, um, very well-known bank, and they were like 20, 30 years into their career. They were like, what do you want to do with your career? And I was just like, oh, like, like, you know, to prepare that answer, right? But I think that they were able to read through my BS answer. <laughs> because I wasn't sure, you know, what is it that I want to do, like, in 20, 30 years. Like, it's not fair for somebody that's 20, 30 years into their career to ask me, what do you want to do? Like, you had your time to figure out what you want to do. Yeah, read the room. <laughs> 
like read the room like it is unfathomable that millennials or like your generation are going to have this like career or like work at the same company or even stay in the same like we will have so many different rebirths of career changes and shifts so that it is absurd to ask people like tell me how you spotted it out and so have you been looking around recently like well uh, it was very stressful because they were like pounding at me okay no but what do you really want to do have a job and work yeah, so I did not end up uh, going with them or receiving an offer. But I think it was very mutual. Like, I didn't honestly feel comfortable when they kept on, you know, trying to get something out of me when they knew that it was kind of not obvious, but they knew, like, you know, somebody my age is not going to know what they're going to do 30 years from now. Yeah, that, that's just, I feel like, poor interviewing because it, it just does not make sense to, like, what are you trying to get like, if you want to know if I'm ambitious, there's so many other questions you could ask. If you want to know that I'm loyal, there's other questions you can ask to get at those things. Right. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, well, um, we have a few minutes left. Is there anything else that you think is important to share about your career or decisions that you've made along? I think um, it's important to emphasize that, like, your path is not linear. Um, again, with the ever-evolving priorities and goals, they change, um, and it's okay for them to change. Like, for right now, the current role that I'm doing, I'm happy with it, I'm content with it, but that doesn't mean this is what I'm going to do for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. So, you know, not being afraid of that change. Um, another thing that I learned on LinkedIn is... Not sure if everyone has the time or, or energy to do so, but to continuously interview every year. At the end of every year of your at your job interview, because that's when you will be able to be the most picky. If you're happy at your current job, you'll be able to, you know, interview and, you know, ask for that crazy salary you might want because you might get it. Or you might be able to interview out around for a role in your dream country or, you know, I think. Interviewing and reevaluating your goals and priorities every year and constantly doing that will definitely ground you in what is it that you want to do and if you want to continue to do what you're currently doing. So that would be my advice to continuously revise your goals and priorities. That is fantastic advice. Um, I often get the question, hey, I got this interview. I don't really want the job. I always say, yes, it's it's nothing else really matters that you're excited about. um and do you know like you know like you said you could go through the process and be like oh wow actually i think my priorities have shifted this is something i'm interested in so yeah and then like you the big thing is you're able to be picky you're able to ask for something that you traditionally wouldn't have asked if you're desperate for a job you know if you are like in the biggest hurry to leave your job you're going to take the first salary somebody throws out you and you're not going to negotiate but if you are happy at your job you're going to be no give me that i don't know 100k that 200 whatever your goal might be you'll be able to have the luxury of you know having but having like your first pick at anything you're interviewing for and not really caring 
um, when I left for my job for this lead company, I think my first year I really wanted to leave. My second year I was, I wanted to leave, but not like urgently. Like I could have waited a couple more months, maybe even a year. But because of that, I was able to ask, you know, this is what I want. And, you know, if you don't give it to me, I'm not leaving because I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah. You sound, <laughs> so it's selfish, but you know, it's the best time to interview whenever you're not looking. I, um, one of our orange friends, um, recently started a new job and I, I sent her a chat. I was like, Hey, just want to check in. How's the new job going? She was like, it's going, you're done kind of getting started. I said, good. Um, I'm already looking for new roles for you. <laughs> I just started. I said, yes. And the best time to start preparing for your next job is day one of your new job. So not to stress you out because yes you have to do well at your job but it's like going into it like you did with like i want to make sure that i put time like everyone everyone's gonna know yeah <laughs> on uh, something i didn't share with some of my hobbies my likes i really like so i think i i really like talker I don't know. I think traditional masala just asala. Like, if you have a good asala taco, you don't need everything else. <laughs> um, that's one. And my second hobby I said was searching for houses on filler that I can't afford. Everyone in their 40s. My friend Karina Luis is basically a food critic. <laughs> doesn't cook so it'd be jets critiques everywhere well i i told her like knowing good food doesn't mean you, you have to know how to cook it <laughs> <laughs> she too i can't over here <laughs> i'm not a chef i'm a food critic right <laughs> i said looking for extensive houses king yeah, same. I have like $1.5 million house saved on my phone. <laughs> you know, I had to like unfollow a bunch of people or even like certain celebrities to celebrate. This does not make me feel good. <laughs> like, the, the lives that like the, you know, um, distinction and you know. can mo- I can motivate you, bro. <laughs> it can motivate you. <laughs> like maybe right now I can't but you know 20 30 years dollar a baby <laughs> right. Right. okay well, we're gonna keep that alive <laughs> um, okay Jasmine it's always on the this is cracky for you um, I made another drink in the background no it was not in the background we could all hear him just throwing these Um, I just want to say thank you to be the first live in 2021 to saying yes, even though I know you were nervous, um, and sharing all of your insights, like seeing your table. I always think it's really great to see concrete, tangible things of like how people really work through the process. Um, so thank you. 
it was important because some of the jobs I was looking at, I'm like, oh, they sound really cool. This is something I should do. And when I revisited table, it did. So some jobs like the one I'm currently at, um, it was honestly like I was almost about to cancel my final round because I was just like, oh, like, you know, like, do I really want this job? But then when I looked at my table, it meant everything. So some things are not as obvious as, as they seem, you know, like once you really reevaluate your goals, your priorities, you're like, okay, maybe this that I didn't think about meets it. Or maybe this I really, really think that meets it, it doesn't. And for some people that are working, like say in a toxic environment, that is going to be like any job that's not this job. And I know that might sound a little wild to like, just go towards another thing but sometimes it is really just like okay maybe the money is not exactly where i want to go the role but like it gets me out of this toxic environment that's okay right exactly <laughs> you can use it as your intermediate job <laughs> that's right well i never so much fun i can't wait down to north carolina and maybe one day you know, actually hang out when it's safe. <laughs> but also, um, are your DMs open if people like want to follow up or have questions? Yes, of course. Uh, find me on anywhere: Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I don't. I'm not really active on Twitter, but everything else I want. <laughs> Zillow. Can we follow you on? Yeah, so you can look at my houses that I can't afford. <laughs> You can follow me on Yelp and look at the restaurants I like. Right, plus he's a food critic. He's an accountant, so he's really a <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you again and have a wonderful night and a safe little 